0: You're listening to the Westchester Podcast, an official podcast of the New York City Church of Christ. Amen? Just a little bit better? Still love you guys, and I still think this is a cool shirt, especially in this little sticky environment, right? Well... At least we got windows. Where they have church in Abidjan, it's just four walls and a roof and no windows. So it's like, you're grateful for the fact that we have an edifice with, like, protection from the elements. So it's good stuff. Uh, I'm going to share with you some things that I had a chance to share with them and some experiences I had being there. Uh, my wife and I, my beautiful wife, you want to stand up, honey? Yeah. Woo! Uh, We had an opportunity there to teach uh, a whole bunch of classes. There was a leadership conference. There was a conference for the church. They were just so grateful to be together. We were there for eight days. We taught five of those eight days, I think. Who who knows? Every day we were doing something. It was awesome. But the whole idea was about coming together and celebrating what's been done And celebrating what's going to be done. And for even us as Christians, the title of my time to talk to you today is what Jesus has to say to us. Is you will do even greater things. He gave us great gifts and incredible promises. Amen. And if we go to that next slide there. This is uh, my wife and I. This was another outfit, another cool outfit that they made for me and my wife. And uh, I call her, lately I'm calling her my rib, right? That part of me that I'm incomplete without. And uh, next to them, next to us, is Emmanuel and Agnes. They came through here last year in the fall. They're leading not only the church in Abidjan, but the work in French-speaking Africa. And uh, last year they had over 400 baptisms there. There's over 4,400 people in their uh, ministry area. There's 2,000 people in the church in Abidjan. Over two thousand, around two thousand, and the rest of the disciples are spread out across twenty or thirty other churches all over French-speaking Africa. And uh, so, the money that we give goes to support the churches outside of Abidjan. Abidjan itself is a, it's like the New York of French-speaking Africa. It is the hub of all of the ministries. They, they're the ones that have planted churches all over French-speaking Africa. So they are a self-supporting ministry. And what we give in New York that goes to them and our, from our special contribution supports the ministries that they're helping to grow. The churches that have been planted from that. And they're even working towards figuring out how, as these churches get larger, moving towards being self-supporting so that those monies can go and start more churches. Amen. And so Emmanuel and Agnes, they were incredible hosts. They, they stayed with us. And they drove us around. They took us around. They they told us the needs of the church. They asked for help for themselves. It was just an amazing, encouraging time with them. If we go to the next slide, this is there in their church. It's got a tin roof and cinder block walls. It holds over 2,000 people. But you're in French Africa. You're in West Africa. And there's... We're thankful for the basic principles of thermodynamics. That building doesn't have any air conditioning. You're just in. That's what it is. You're just in 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 the heat and the humidity. And it was amazing to see the energy and the joy that our brothers and sisters have coming together. And this brother that was standing there with me was Julian Toyo. He is a a translator, and he was helping to translate for me. He's also training to be a teacher. He's taking Steve Kennard's classes on ministry training, and he's training to be a teacher there. And he was one of the brothers that was also in a a future elders class that we did. But this was what I call the biggest Christian selfie I've ever taken. I had a chance to speak in front of a couple of thousand brothers and sisters and their friends and visitors and people from all over French Africa. And that was an encouraging time. I'll share that message with you another time. This one here is about how Jesus can do even greater things. And uh, I think of it like this. If you look in John chapter 14, if we can go to the next slide. In John chapter 14, I think of it like Jesus is like your big brother with the deep spiritual pockets. Some of us have people in our lives that you know you can always ask them for something and they're going to come through for you. Those people you can lean on. Well, in John 14, this is what Jesus says. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And first part here is Jesus tells us right here. He's got our back. He's with us. He is going to be able to do for us. Anything we ask in his name. Jesus literally means God with us. His heart, is he wants to be close with us, he wants us to know how much he cares about us. Um, One church in in, uh, French Africa, the government passed a law that until you had a church building, you couldn't have a church. So for a year and a half or two years, they could only meet in Bible talks while they prayed and figured out, how they could get land together, how they could put a building together. But as brothers and sisters, they persevered through that and they had a victory through that and they figured out how God can work through that and they still saved souls. Amen. You see, for us, we need to have that heart of really of being appreciative for what we do have, that we can meet together in a setting like this, that we can't. We're not being told You can't meet. And that's just tough. We we need to be so grateful because even in those challenging situations, the brothers and sisters, their hearts were like, we're still going to preach Jesus. We're still going to move forward with God. We're still going to help the church. And now God worked in some ways where they were able to get some land. They were able to put together a building. Building a building in Africa is a little bit easier than building a building in New York State. But God gave them the victory, and now they have a church building and a place to meet. Amen? But you see, why did they not give up? Because they trusted that Jesus had their back. They trusted that he's not going to give up on them. And we need to believe in the same promises that they called on when we are going through things. That we do not need to throw up our hands and, and get frustrated and, and stop believing that Jesus has our back. So often, we're quick to think, well, Jesus must be against me. We, we bring we bring down judgment on ourselves. He's mad at me. He's put me in the spiritual doghouse. No, that's just lies from Satan to try to beat us up so that we don't move forward. We get so caught up in our own stuff that we forget this promise. He'll do anything. He wants to bring glory to his father. When we do well, he does well. <laughs> you understand? When someone gets saved, who rejoices? The angels rejoice in heaven. We have to take Jesus at his word, don't we? I want to give you an example of what taking someone at their word meant. When Andy and I were going, to planning to go, we had to get a visa and you had to get a yellow fever vaccine. There's yellow fever all over West Africa. And so we went in to get the immunization from this nurse. And this nurse was like, now this will immunize you against yellow fever, but you want to wear clothes down to your feet. You want to wear closed toed shoes. You want to wear long sleeves or something. In Africa, you want to wear long things and long sleeves just because you'll be immunized against yellow fever. But there's dengue fever. There's this fever. There's malaria. There's nighttime mosquitoes. There's daytime. There's different mosquitoes for the time of day. And you just don't want to get bit. Just, you want to use 100% DEET. And the clothes that we brought to Africa are basically toxic to mosquitoes. We went out, uh, we found out from the Round Trees, whose wife went to. Uh, East Africa, there's this spray you can put on your clothes that's a repellent and an insecticide. And it says don't lick your clothes. I, I I didn't do that. But your, but it basically makes your clothing, uh, bulletproof to mosquitoes. And so we took this woman so seriously. We took every piece of clothing we were wearing. We hung them all over our backyard. We bought forty dollars worth of this spray, and we're spraying these yellow bottles all over our clothes. We're air drying them. This is and and then because we we, this woman, you know, she's speaking with such authority. Don't don't I want to believe a woman who speaks with such authority? So we got our clothes all covered. We're all set, and we're over there in Africa, and I'm like looking. Bring on the mosquitoes bring them on. And I'm like, where are the mosquitoes? Where are, they? I saw, I saw one flying over this brother's head in the office, this guy Gee. I saw one mosquito. The point was, if I can take her word that seriously that it affects the way I plan my day and our trip, we should take Jesus' words just that seriously. We shouldn't doubt. Now, what was kind of funny was, like, Annie and I, we didn't get, like, one mosquito bite the whole time we were there. Caitlin's like, Dad, you got to spray in the backyard. I was just outside. I let the dogs out, and I got 16 mosquito bites. I was like, I told that one to the church in Africa. They thought that was hilarious. But the point being that if we can listen to instructions and directions from people who try to have our best interests in mind, we need to really listen to what Jesus has to say and embrace it, that He is going to do whatever we ask in His name because He wants to bring glory to His Father. He's so close to us, God breathed life into Adam and Eve through their nostrils, he didn't just say come to life. He breathed life into them. He did like CPR. I guess it would be SPR, spiritual resuscitation, whatever you want to call it. But he did something to them that was so personal because that's how much he cares. And Jesus is our big brother. He's got deep spiritual pockets. He will care for us. Amen? The next thing is, um, we aren't orphans. Jesus left us the Spirit and he's coming back. So this is 4 John 14. If you look in verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So the second thing is when Jesus leaves, he gives us his Holy Spirit. Amen. And that spirit is going to come to us. It's going to be our counselor. It's going to help us with how to handle things, with how to act in situations, with how to be. And he is uh, he's, uh, we're not alone. He's encouraging us. I'm coming back. When someone goes away, you can be sad. But when you know you're com- they're coming back, aren't you looking forward to that? See, we need to have the idea that he hasn't gone off somewhere far away, that he's coming back. And just like when there's someone really dear to you that goes away, you miss them. But when they're coming back, you're looking forward to that. And we need to have a heart to communicate that and to build that into ourselves that we have something great to look forward to. His return. Amen? Now, we had church here. If this was church in Africa, the first hour would have been singing and about 300 people up here dancing. Because it's like a celebration. You know, the Bible talks about it being like a great banquet. Think about a great wedding banquet. What happens at a great wedding? There's jubilation. There's celebration. There's signification. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Right? Why am I telling you this? Because the joy that we should have in Christ should be overflowing. And that's the way it comes out in their worship services. They just want to sing. They just want to enjoy one another. They just want to praise God together. They just want to be grateful. Now, brothers and sisters, 40% of Amazon is unemployed. University students with degrees graduate and don't find jobs. Unemployment is a huge problem. They normally have church in the different geographic neighborhoods because they can't afford to come together all the time. But there's joy in the church. We need to understand our joy does not need to come from our circumstances. Our joy needs to come from our God. We need to be filled with joy and gratitude, and it needs to be a banquet. There's a brother leading one of our churches. I think of him like Daniel in the Bible. He's leading one of our churches. He's an electrical engineer, and he's risen up to basically be the secretary of energy for the president of his country. And so he's risen up to this level, like Daniel rose up, but Daniel was a man of God. This brother's leading a church of 100 to 200 people, and he's just so grateful for the fact that God's risen him up through the ranks of the country that he's living in to such a high esteemed point. But he's also shining brightly for God. He says, I've never missed church. I've never missed a contribution. I've never, because he basically told him, I will serve in this role, and I will, Meet all of the needs. But you know how Daniel's heart was, I'm not going to, you know, bow down to that that tower over there. I'm not going to bow down to your statue. His heart was, I will be your best that I can be. And I will do a great job for the electricity power grid for this nation. But I'm a man of God. And that's what comes first. So for us, our hearts need to be like, man, we got God's spirit in us. We got Jesus. He's coming back for us. And we need to be men and women that when we live our life, we live it in recognition of that, right? That we're going to be our best. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to, you know, give in here and there for fear of our job. He put his job on the line for that. In the Old Testament, Daniel put his life on the line for that. As us as Christians, we need to put our convictions out there first. We don't need to be like, well, if it's not too much trouble, I'm a Christian. Is that okay? You know. (laughs) We need to be like, my relationship with God, this is important to me. Amen? And um, the last thing is the Spirit accomplishes amazing things. And if you look in John chapter 16, because you see, Jesus goes away and he tells us he's with us. He tells us he's leaving us the Spirit. John 16 tells us what the Spirit's able to do. So, you know, you might, sometimes you think, Jesus says he's going away and you're going to do greater things. People can feel like confused. Man, you did awesome things and you're going away and we're going to do greater things? How is that possible? Well, number one, he says he's got our back with anything we ask him. Number two, he says he gives us the spirit. But the third thing about the spirit is the way that it works. So if you look in John chapter 16, verse 5. So this is still a part of that same conversation Jesus is having in John 14. Um, Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. They're sad. What I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me a little longer and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from me what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. The Spirit of God that comes to us through baptism because Jesus went from us does things that even Jesus couldn't do. It says it goes throughout the world and it convicts people of sin and and righteousness. Imagine if Jesus stayed and, you know, if you, when he was in Westchester, he could do amazing things. And next week, he'll be doing a performance in Queens. And the following week, he'll be doing a performance in Abidjan. And then he'll be down in Harare. So Jesus could only go everywhere where there was one of him. But what does it say the Spirit's able to do? It's able to go throughout the whole world and convict people. You know those people. You've met those people. I was just looking for God. If you're on Facebook and you're friends with enough Christians, you see baptisms getting posted all the time. That's inspiring, isn't it? That means that God is convicting people through his spirit all over the place and moving their hearts all over the place. Some of you that are visiting here today, you felt that conviction. You felt that feeling. Something's not right with me. I'm missing something. That's God's spirit poking you and prodding you. Even as Christians, it's counseling us. As Christians, it's guiding us. It was amazing. We had a chance to be there. We taught together. We taught seven classes on parenting and marriage. I taught three more. I preached on Sunday. And we had a class with the elders. Jim warned me. I said, Jim, I'm doing maybe five classes. He goes, ha you think it's five? It'll probably be a dozen. Because you get over there. And it was literally like, man, he was right. Because it was like, it was really a dozen. And I had prepared for about nine. But there's so my name was on the thing so many places. I had missed classes. So one day, we spent the whole Thursday. We had classes Wednesday, and then we had the whole Thursday we spent in the office writing classes that we forgot and didn't know about. Then we taught Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and we had discipling times and counseling appointments. So why am I telling you this? That was a, a lot, right? But you know who gave us all of those things to say? The Spirit, right? They even... They did a great job of planning out the needs of the conference, and they picked key scriptures. And I studied out those key scriptures and built our classes around it. And I got wisdom and insight from those scriptures that I'd never gotten before. The Bible says we will understand things that even Jesus' disciples couldn't understand. There are things that are too wonderful that we can understand through the Spirit that they didn't have yet the ability to understand. And we have that ability. All of the knowledge that comes from it's just like... Yeah, we learn things and we get taught things, but the revelation that you have when you study your scriptures and the insight that you get and the strengthening and the teaching, it's inspiring. And we need to realize that's God's spirit in us. The Bible's the only book I've read for over 30 years and I'm not done reading it. Do you understand? That's powerful. Not only is it living and active, but God's spirit in us reveals things that we didn't even know before. And just by the last... Um, If you look in Acts chapter 16 in verse 14, I just want to close out with this because it's a great one in terms of before we take communion. This is about a woman whose heart was opened. So if we look in um, verse 13, rather. So on the Sabbath day, Acts 16, verse 13, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began speaking to the women who had gathered there, They're sharing their faith. One of those who was listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Theater, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Guys, God literally does create the times and the places where we can reach out to him. Like it says in Acts chapter 17, though he's never far from us. But literally, he put a burden on her heart to respond to the message of the gospel. That's just what God can do. He can give people that, a special oof, oh, a push. There were other people there. She felt that special push. We're going to share our faith. We may be sowing seeds. And we may be reaping the harvest. When, we, when we're sharing our faith, sometimes people have been met four or five different times. The first four times, that wasn't fruitless. That was God using you to put the Word of God into them. Don't go around feeling, I didn't meet anybody open. That's not the point. It's just go out and sow seed. Does the farmer just pack it in because, oh I man, I sowed the seed, I don't know what happened. Well, you sow seed, stuff happens. The more we share our faith, the more there's going to be opportunities for the Word of God to grow in people. But when people get this special urge, that's God saying, this is your chance. This is your time. This is your opportunity. And this is like what happened with Andy's mom. All of a sudden, she's understanding spiritual things at 84 years old that she's never understood. I told her, this means God's put a burden on your heart, right? He's calling you. This is your personal chance. You're getting an understanding that not everybody gets. Do you understand? And if you're visiting, and and even as you're a Christian here, if you're feeling this burden, you need to realize that's God's Spirit working, doing things to you that can really change your life. Amen? But we need to have the heart that's able to respond to that. Are we going to respond? The Spirit can do amazing things, but the Still, there's that matter of what's our decision going to be? You know, he's going to move, he's going to reveal, he's going to urge, he's going to teach, he's going to convict, but what are we going to do about it? Because we still have the choice about it, right? And we need to make the choices that are the ones like, like Lydia made. And even in the reason that we're going to take time, we go to the last slide to take communion right now, the Lord's Supper. Why do we take the Lord's Supper? What are we commemorating? The fact that he did go away and that the way that he went away offered us a way to heaven. Amen. The way that he suffered and died, it offered us a salvation that we couldn't have any other way. It paid a ransom. That we had no chance to ever pay. And as we think about that, what would, this woman, Lydia, she was so inspired. They were all baptized. And not only was she baptized, oh, I'm grateful, I'm saved. What's the very next thing she does? I want to serve people. Come to my home. Stay with me. I will care for you. See, for us, when the cross comes into our lives, it changes us entirely. Amen? And it saves us, but it redirects us. And as we take the communion, we need to be men and women who contemplate the fact that that gospel was so powerful that right there and then that woman dropped what she was doing and got baptized. And in our hearts, we know that moment where we turned ourselves in. That moment when we were like, I am done fighting God. I have found the answer. I'm doing what God tells me. I want to be saved. We need to be able to reflect back to that and keep that in the forefront of our hearts because there's so many things vying for our attention. The most important thing is what we're talking about right now. Amen? So as we take the communion, we want to think about the way He suffered, the way He died, but also He inspired. He gave hope. And He gives us that same hope. Amen? And God, Jesus went away, but He's coming back. And we need to be the men and women that are able to go to Him in prayer confidently and and trust that God's Spirit's going to work through us and guide us and direct us and work even in the world around us to change people's hearts, to become open to what it is we're talking about and preaching Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you, Father, for this chance to be together. Thank you for the brothers and sisters and friends and family that are all here together. We pray, Lord God, that uh, these words, uh, they went out and they got into our hearts and they've taken root and we see how much your son cares for us how much he wants to be there for us how much he's given up for us and now even now that he's gone to be with you he's sent his, his spirit the counselor the the the, the one the, the able to bring righteousness and judgment into this world so that we could be able to be saved and we could be able to be useful and helpful to you we pray that as we take this communion lord god we're so grateful for his sacrifice and for his belief in us and for the ransom that's been paid and for the salvation that we have through his blood, as we take this uh, bread, let's recognize that his body was broken on that tree. And as we take the fruit of the vine, let's recognize that his covenant of forgiveness, Lord God, came through the pouring out of his blood. And that as we take that the fruit of the vine, we're commemorating that. We thank you, Father, for this chance to be together. We're grateful for all that we have. Pray to in your son Jesus name. Amen. You've just listened to the Westchester Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit westchester.nyccoc.net.